Hi, everyone. Welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to this week's Oscars. I'm Nick Rorkraut. And I'm Sophia Simonello. And we are excited today. We'll be going through all of our predictions. And as you can see, we have the lovely guest, Joyce Ang, and we will introduce her in a second. I'm so excited to be here and to finally be doing this. Me too. It's been such a long season. So thank you, everyone, for listening as we've gone through all of these episodes in our Oscar Contender series detailing each category and what we think. But today we are actually saying our final predictions. That doesn't mean we won't change it maybe last minute, but we're going to try not to. (laughs) So Joyce is a senior editor at Gold Derby and has previously worked at TV Guide and OK Magazine. She agrees with Moira Rose that award season is her favorite as she's won many a bet over an upset prediction. She started watching the Oscars after her dad showed her The Silence of the Lambs when she was six years old. (laughs) Sophia, you can also attest to a traumatizing story like that. Yes, we have that in common, <laughs> Joyce. You watched that when you were six, too? I was eight when I watched it for the first time, so a little bit older, but still way too young. Yeah, I my parents let me watch whatever I wanted. Yeah. They didn't care. That's why I am the way I am. Exactly the same way. <laughs> and her favorite movie is Saving Private Ryan and loves the Mighty Ducks trilogy. It's true. Welcome, I- Joyce. Thank you for having you guys. At first, I was like, how do you know, like, my entire bio? I was like, all right. I, I <laughs> Just I was like, no one actually all. goes there to read it. So. <laughs> We're so excited to have you here today and to, yeah, go through all of our predictions. And I think before we start going through the nominees, I know we talked, you said, Nick, about Silence of the Lambs. I think we'd love to hear from you, like, where did your love for the Oscars begin exactly? And how did you get into predicting? Well, as Nick read, <laughs> I that, that was my first Oscars. My dad showed me Silence of the Lambs, and I was six. And then I watched the Oscars that year. I don't really remember much or from that I just remember watching it and like I don't think I had any like expectations of like who's gonna win I just remember thinking like and also that was the the Beauty and the Beast here so and I loved Beauty and the Beast so it was like I had like these two movies that I watched but I remember it winning and then I don't even think I watched the next year like I don't think I've been watching it consecutively since but then at some point I just started following it and I started following the Globes and you know this is the 90s so like pre-internet still and like I couldn't see most of these movies anyway so I would just kind of be like reading the newspaper about them and then I think at some point probably when I was like 10 or 11 I started getting like more into it but still it was like not that many precursors like award season wasn't really like a thing so it was like more fun for me to just kind of like follow the trends and then like see like oh like why did the English patient win and stuff but I think the the year that I realized it was like a massive deal was Titanic just because it was a massive deal like everywhere yeah and then I just kept doing it and I used like I used to make my friends predict with me too when they hated it (laughs) none of my friends care about this which I kind of like because sometimes I use them to gauge like what like the general public likes and like Mm -hmm. what they've heard of and what they care about Mm -hmm. like this past weekend I was with my friend and he was watching the honest trailers and then he was like what's Mark I'm like it's Mank He never even heard of it but like on the other hand he had heard of promising young woman and he's like oh this is nominated I was like yeah 
and he was like oh she is she nominated I was like yeah she is and he was like for this not the dig I was like yeah for this not the dig so he's seen the dig on Netflix but not Mm -hmm. Mark slash Mank (laughs) (laughs) it is so interesting to have friends who don't pay attention to award season at all just to gauge like how they're feeling about oh I I love it because like I have you know obviously like my coworkers and like other colleagues in this sphere who know about this type of stuff but I love having like my regular friends who don't care and then like they they ask me like who do you think is going to win and I have to like explain everything (laughs) and then they don't like understand why or like why like this person's winning and not that and yeah or like what they like none of my friends have really seen anything this year which I think is true for most people yeah I know we talked about that last time too just how different this group of films is and especially like in this year just knowing that I think in our bubble we've seen everything and we've talked about all of these movies for months now but most of the general public has no idea what most of them are even yeah like the the awareness is low and I mean I you know everyone knows like the rating is gonna be in the gutter which like I don't know why people make such a big deal about the ratings because viewing is so fractured anyway I'm like yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're never gonna get 40 million viewers anymore like that's just the reality and it's a pandemic year so I don't know like every time there's an award show I know like part of it's clickbait with like all the headlines it's like all time low I'm like yeah it's gonna be that way <laughs> everybody <laughs> Do you think even like voter turnout's going to be super low too? Maybe, like I mean, you know, you've you know seen these reports and like anecdotally from people being like they're kind of like apathetic to things. So I don't know. I'm sure like some people are still going to vote even if they haven't seen everything. But I could see like some people not doing it, like not caring, or maybe just like sitting out like certain categories. So I I definitely feel like there's probably some inertia going on even if they are voting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we get to predicting, we'll kind of give everyone a rundown of how we'll go through these categories. We've organized them into three groups that we're calling in the bag, toss up and anybody's guess. And then after we go through each group of categories, we'll share our final predictions for best picture. If you want to hear a more in-depth conversation about any of the categories, go back and listen to our Oscar contender series, where we break down every category, every nominee and go through our predictions at the time, which has been like over the past couple months. To get started with one of our in the bag categories, best supporting actor. So our nominees here are Sasha Baron Cohen for the trial of the Chicago seven, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Paul Racy for Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. Joyce, who do you have in this category? I, like I think almost everyone, has Daniel Kaluuya, who's going to be the only acting sleeper this year. Which is great. And this is how we're going to start the night off. And I can't wait to start on a high note. I also have Daniel Kaluuya. As you said, sweeper in the acting categories, our only one clinging on to it. And I'm excited for Academy Award winner Daniel Kaluuya. It's it's so funny to think about like how he was, you know, his movie was like one of the last ones out. But this was like a performance that everyone had been talking about for Mm -hmm. months. And this movie was supposed to come out in August. And it's kind of, you know, it's very rare for like, you know, movies or like performances with pre-hype that actually live up to the hype. Mm-hmm. Um, and his did. And, you know, like once he won the Globe, it was like, it's it's over. <laughs> like, I think he could have still won even if he had lost the Globe. But after that, it was like, he's, he's going to win everything else. Yeah. And, yeah. And then there was a point where 
you know, we didn't know how this category was going to fill out, and it filled out with Lakeith Stanfield because apparently there's no lead actor in this. Do you think, like, do either you think there is any vote split chance between them? Like, I don't think that's happening. Like, they've never, like, Daniel and Lakeith have never contested against one another. It might be really minimal. I, you know, that was the initial thought was like, oh, crap, Lakeith might steal his votes. But I don't think it's going to be enough Yeah, based on how everything else has been going. Yeah. And I always wonder, I guess, if vote splitting is really a thing. I mean, in second place, I would maybe put Paul Racy. That was... I would love that so much. It's my favorite performance in this group. But I think Lakeith, it was one of those like just happy to be nominated type of surprise nominations. So yeah. So next category, we'll be talking about animated feature film. The nominees here are Onward, Over the Moon, A Shaun the Sheep Movie, Farmageddon, Soul, and Wolfwalkers. Do you have Shaun the Sheep Movie, Farmageddon winning choice? I do. That's that's the one I'm going out on a limb for. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to get 23 for 23 this year. Um, yeah, no. Does anyone not have soul? <laughs> like, not just yeah. the three of us. Right. I remember there was, like, a small group, I think, of people that were trying to make wolf walkers like, really happen on Twitter to kind of get the FYC thing going. But you just don't don't bet against Pixar, especially in this case where they have support, I think, in other categories. Yeah, like it, it's it's definitely winning like another category, which is probably like the next one <laughs> you have. <laughs> so, I mean, and like the thing is, it's like I just go back to last year when it was like the perfect opportunity for them to go elsewhere when the precursors split and there was like no need for them to award the Toy Story franchise again. Yeah. So they just went back to that well. Yeah, I really wanted Missing Link to win, and it wasn't its time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because Klaus won the Annie, so I remember thinking that that could be possible. And it went BAFTA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, Wolfwalkers did really well at the Annies, but still not as well as Soul. And I think just the whole course of the season has been pointing to that. So that's why this is so early, too. Soul it is for all three of us. So moving on to Best Production Design, our nominees are The Father, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, News of the World, and Tenet. Does anyone not have Mank? No. That's our entire discussion. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. (laughs) I mean, you know, at least it's not going over 10. Right. We were talking about that a lot, I think, at the beginning of the season two of, you know, will Mank be the Irishman? I feel like people were making that comparison, but it won't be because we have production design, which is good. And this, I think, so last year, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood won this. And I think the voters here like the old Hollywood nostalgia. So it makes sense for it to win here, I think, too, in addition to just the guilt wins. Yeah. And it also has like the most production design, like the <laughs> the biggest scale and i mean i guess you could say that about news of the world too but that's different like it's mostly outdoors but yeah it's like recreating old hollywood and this this will be one in on the ledger for them so they won't get shut out yeah recreating how the studio looked back in the day and we know fincher loves his cg but he didn't use it in all of the ways that they did production design right so that was a win for them and Thankfully, a win here. So next up, we have costume design. The nominees are Emma, Mank, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mulan, and Pinocchio. Does anyone Do we... not have Ma Rainey? 
No. There was a time when I entertained Emma, but I think Ma Rainey's Black Bottom just has it, especially, you know, after winning the BAFTA. That was what I needed, I think, to see it. Yeah, I didn't even realize I still had Emma in first place until this morning, and then I switched. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I was was predicting Emma at BAFTA, and it did not win that. So, and Ma Rainey's won everything else. And you know, I think like some people say, like, there's not as many costumes in there. But I think, you know, the costumes that they do have are very vibrant. Like they do like stick out. And wardrobe is a plot point in the movie, the shoe. But <laughs> yeah, that was my initial thought. Actually, it was like, I don't, you know, they were gorgeous, but I don't remember there being that many. And then I went back and each scene had like so many different costumes going on. I was like, okay, I get it now. Yeah, like Emma, it's like the more, I think, traditionally what you would think of a costume design winner, maybe just even like 15 years ago, but I don't know, like it, Ma Rainey's just been winning <laughs> everything, so. Yeah, and so that's speaking a perfect, of. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> perfect transition into our next category, makeup and hairstyling. Our nominees here are Emma, Hillbilly Elegy, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Mank, and Pinocchio. Do we all have Ma Rainey's Black Bottom winning both costume and makeup and hairstyling? Yes, but just like at BAFTA, I had Pinocchio there. (laughs) I did too. (laughs) And then I switched afterwards. Like, I have not seen Pinocchio, but just even looking at the photos of it, like, there's so much detail. And I think, like, I don't know, like, how many voters will watch Pinocchio or look at the photos. <laughs> but I think if they did, it could win. But I don't think that's going to happen since Ma Rainey's won everything else. I would love a world where Pinocchio wins here because it's not the easiest movie to sit through, but it is exquisitely beautiful. All of the work, there are so many different characters. There's like a man as a tuna fish and then it just goes on and on and it's all done so beautifully. So I wish it had a chance here. It did win one award at the guild but um i don't think it's enough sadly yeah like um i was like initially hardened by the fact that it also got into costume design you know so it was like like other people also paying attention to the movie but yeah i think ma rainey like that that was just like i i know i didn't really believe in ma rainey from the beginning because there was also like hillbilly allergy like kind of like flashier type of makeup and hairstyling Mm -hmm. but again just like in costume design it's been cleaning up yeah i think my predictions have gone from hillbilly allergy to pinocchio to ma rainey so here we are i'm stopping i'm not going back at one point i was predicting hillbilly allergy to win two oscars (laughs) (laughs) me too Okay, next up is international feature film. From Denmark, we have another round. From Hong Kong, Better Days. From Romania, Collective. Tunisia's The Man Who Sold His Skin. And Bosnia-Herzegovina's Quo Vadis Aida. I mean, do we all have another round? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, the director nomination for mm-hmm. Thomas Winterberg. But I, I like Quo Vadis Aida. I think that if if another round weren't here, I think that's what I would pick slash vote for. But since, you know, Thomas got in, like, this is this is where he's going to win for his country, not for himself. Right. So we can move on to best original score, which we alluded to earlier. Our nominees here are to Five Bloods, Mank, Minari, News of the World and Soul. I have Soul. Do you both have Soul? Yes. (laughs) Another Soul sweep through a lot of the award season. It ha- it hasn't lost anything? 
I was gonna say, has anything else even won? I don't believe so. Like I think just at like critics awards, but not. Yeah, I yeah. mean, my favorite here is uh, Minari, but I, I think I said this to someone, I don't know where or when, but like he's he's going to get foretold <laughs> like it should, win, mm-hmm. but it's not going to win. Yeah, I love that Minari score so much. Like the second I saw it was available on Spotify, finally, I was like, oh, good. Another score to cry to. That's not it's a Bertel score. I my Spotify wrapped. So. <laughs> <laughs> Like, and, and then just like the Moonlight score, I can see it being like used in commercials like a year from now, you know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, I like the soul score is good too. And I think it'll be cool to see like John Batiste win, but not my personal favorite. I like the soul score. And I think early on in the season, we were, we weren't expecting it to do as well as it did, um, especially with the double Trent and Atticus nominations going on. We thought maybe one would get bumped, but it has done really well. And I'm happy it's not really a typical score we usually get. So I'm happy that it's kind of muted and that it's um, in the bag, at least for us, you know, like, <laughs> we hope. I, I do like Terrence Blanchard getting in here when the, mm-hmm. the, the sole representation for Defy Bloods. Cause he didn't get his first nomination until two years ago. So I know. Now he's got two in three years. And when they announced this during the nominations, I remember when I saw that come up, I thought, okay, Defy Bloods is going to have maybe a bigger morning than we thought, but it just didn't turn out that way. Just this one. I mean, I like, like my, like, no guts, no glory fifth pick for this for nominations was the little things. (laughs) That was mine too. I had like, I think anxiety still from when the passenger score came through that one. That year. was that was my passenger's rule. I was like, he was able to do that, so why not? <laughs> why not this? Okay, next up is best director. We have Thomas Vinterberg from Another Round, Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman, David Fincher for Mank, Lee Isaac Chung for Minati, and Chloe Zhao for Nomadland. Everyone has Chloe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I feel like you I just mean, have who's to. Even second? Like, that's the thing. Like, when I rank them, I'm like, who do I even put in second? Yeah, if it were a race between the other four, I think it'd be like Emerald and Lee Isaac Chung. I think they'd be close, but it's that'd be a bizarre race, I think. Yeah. In a good way. I think on Gold Derby, I do have Lee Isaac Chung and then Emerald Fennell and then Fincher, which is crazy because at the beginning of the season, I definitely thought, like, okay. Once we get to industry awards, maybe things will switch and we'll just have this David Fincher wave come about and Chloe will just be a critics thing. And I'm pretty glad that that didn't happen. And we just have a Chloe season. Yeah, I mean, it'll be awesome to see her win and obviously historic. And yeah, the, the Fincher thing, I don't know. It's like, I mean, obviously he's never won before, but I think, you know, the the cold reception to Mank. Mm-hmm. also had something to do with it um i think i do think i don't know if it's just like the film twitter bubble like wanting to reward him or if, if like the industry is even like waiting to award him you know and I, and i think like the cold reception to mang which just gave him like an out to be like you know like you're invited back to the party but like not yet so sad <laughs> i mean he should have won for the social network but yeah yeah <laughs> next we can move on to best documentary Our nominees are Collective, Crip Camp, The Mole Agent, My Octopus Teacher, and Time. Do we all have My Octopus Teacher? I do. So do I. Truly one I didn't expect. This truly came out of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah. 
but that's just it's just what the people want <laughs> I guess I don't know like yeah it's it's like the movie that like my friend's parents have seen and like they love it and yeah like there was there was like a point where I was like maybe it'll be like the big snub or something but nope like the industry loves it too so and I don't I don't mean I think I have like Crip Camp in second I don't know if they would even like go for something like time just because there's it's like partially like archival footage yeah but I don't this collection like the five here like they're I I like it fine but like I like so many other movies that didn't get nominated like the trouble hunters I wish that got in at least it got a couple of guild wins for it yeah even just from the short list I chose a totally different five so I I mean some of these are great that's funny you say the archival footage thing because that was our thing going into predictions why we didn't choose Crip Camp and then that made it I don't know if that has anything to do with American Factory from last year and I, I, I kept that because even though it's like archival it was like it's also on Netflix mm-hmm. yeah. and the Obamas yeah did you think with collectives two nominations anything would happen or not really kind of like Honeyland yeah it's kind of crazy that it's right after Honeyland it got those two nominations yeah no i i like that but i don't see it winning either category i don't, I think i probably have it like third or fourth mole agents that's also <laughs> a surprise i did not predict that to get in no. but they're they're campaigning hard for it i saw a tweet today but that's basically all i've seen i yeah i don't know hulu's strategy yeah hulu's like interesting because it's they're not new but like they sort of are still because like they, they don't have any like major wins you know to show for it but i think the guy is going to the oscars this year i just i did see that i was like that's definitely good (laughs) i didn't i didn't just like make that up okay no you didn't (laughs) so that's what they're doing i mean that's a good push (laughs) i feel like people in this category too with my octopus teacher like this was one i had seen i feel like on like instagram and twitter that people were watching it who don't pay attention to the Oscars or really to movies at all. It was just like a thing that they had stumbled upon on Netflix and ended up having really emotional experiences too. So I guess maybe we should have known, but I did not expect this at all. Yeah, it'll just be kind of like, not weird, but just an atypical win. I don't know. That's what the people like. Yeah. (laughs) And I guess it's comforting after like the hellscape of a year, Mm -hmm. you know? So, and it's, it's a pretty movie. It's well shot, I think. Like the visuals are nice. So. Yeah. I mean, it's also dark. It's not like a super uplift, uplifting ending. So, I mean, it's a journey. It's, yeah, it's emotional, but. Okay. Next up we have original screenplay. The nominees are Judas and the Black Messiah, Minati, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Do we all have Promising Young Woman? I do. I I think with Promising Young Woman, what was the win that changed it maybe for you as being the clear winner instead of Chicago 7 or any of the other ones on the list? I think even though like Trial won the Globe, that was like their huge like Sorkin stands there. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was also around the same time that like the buzz for Promising Young Woman was peaking. And, you know, we all thought like Carrie, not, maybe not sweep, but <laughs> do better than she has <laughs> this season. So I switched to Emerald then, and I really foresaw like 
a writer's guild win for her and and i thought like bafta like she'll take that easily so and then like after like writer's guild i was like okay i think she's got this and it kind of reminded me last year of jojo rabbit and little woman like i think a lot of people on the internet wanted little woman to win but you know jojo won those same precursors uh as promising a woman so it was like it, it's winning and it was also even though you know it, it's polarizing but it does have a lot of passionate fans and i think that was also a case where similar to promising a woman like they went for the higher concept script and film so and i mean trial is a good script and i think you know he juggles a lot of pieces and it's i don't think there's any like true like standout element of it but it's like it's very well balanced like how how well it's made and directed and edited and everything and the script obviously so i i can still see him winning but i i think you know except for one year in the past decade and original screenplay <laughs> like this category usually goes to like the most original script like you know like it's in the, in the title of the category but it's it and it's still like it's like high concept or just bold and you know it fits the profile of like a get out type of win like it's probably not winning best picture but it's this like exciting new-ish voice you know at least like on the, the academy's radar and this is the win we're gonna give it yeah we'll get to best actress but i think in terms of awarding it somewhere this is a good place to do it to award kind of the entire idea of what's happening and maybe not just like one technical aspect i guess yeah and it's like her movie you know she wrote it and directed and yeah it, so she's she's i don't know like would you say emerald or carrie is more the face of the movie that's what i was just thinking of because i think like to people that just go to see the movie or like rent it, they'll definitely think of Carrie. But I think to probably people in the industry, they think of it as an Emerald Fennell film since she was nominated for both. And just, I think has like a really clear signature aesthetic and style now, especially after Killing Eve and then this, I would say Emeralds would be the face probably for the voters. Yeah. I, I like think about the same thing with Nomadland. Like is it's Chloe's like the face of that even though it's like Frances is, she's the star. Mm -hmm. All right, ready to go into toss-ups? <laughs> this one, I think, maybe isn't a toss-up. Might be more of a lock. We'll see. But our first one is Best Supporting Actress. So our nominees here are Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film, Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Coleman for The Father, Amanda Seyfried for Mank, and Yunya Jung for Minari. Joyce, who do you have and how do you see this playing out? Um, I have Yoon and I am so excited for her speech. <laughs> it's, it'll probably be like 40 seconds, just like her last two speeches, but it'll be the best 40 seconds of our lives. But yeah, I I have her winning and uh, it's kind of crazy how just like, what, like two weeks ago, like Chris Ags, we were like unsure. <laughs> and then within a span of a week, it's like, oh yeah, it's probably gonna be her and you know it'll be a historic win she'll be just the second asian actress to win uh an oscar and like i personally think she's the most deserving in this category and and i think you know what kind of sealed it for me even before the bafta win was seeing 
the reaction to her sagwin in that zoom call from like glenn close and like olivia coleman and like even like the supporting actors in there like they were so excited for her and i think glenn is even happy to lose to her i don't think she'll be reacting that way if she had lost sag to anybody else but i think just losing to someone like her age who you know is a superstar a legend in her home country and is having this like global breakthrough i think she is excited for her and she loves that for her um who knows maybe she's even voting for her and i this will be like the win for minari so which you know we were everyone's kind of wondering like is it going to win anything because it's probably not winning screenplay and it's it's clearly liked more i think domestically than abroad just based on how it you know its nomination turnout happened at the globes and bafta um, and yeah, and then she won BAFTA. So, which I, I think some people also weren't expecting just because, you know, Minari didn't even make the film long list, but she won with the general membership there. She just, I think, is such an easy person to vote for. I can't see many people wanting to vote for anyone else. And she's just so charming and endearing too. just her speech about British people and how they're snobbish was so amazing. And then she apologized. I was like, oh, you don't have to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't like who do you think is runner up here? Do you think it's Maria? I think early on in the season, I expected Maria to kind of keep going and then Yuni Jung gain momentum. So obviously I have her as well. But I think Maria just being the unexpected choice could gain a lot of votes too. I have her in second right now. I think she's the only other one who's won anything and I think just her being here and the Borat screenplay getting in I think there is a lot of support for that and she I think yes even though we think about Sasha she's who I think of when I think of this movie so I'm sure there are voters who think that way too yeah like for sure and I think what's just so weird about her run is that she lost at the places where she probably should have won like the globe when she went lead in the easier category and I predicted her at SAG because I was like, Borat is populist and like SAG after is super populist and broad now. And that was like right after it also won Writers Guild. So, and the fact that like you won over SAG, like with a Korean language performance, you know, like that was huge for her. So I, I guess, I think I still have Maria in second, but yeah. I mean, some people are still trying to make their argument for Glenn. I don't think that's happening. <laughs> I don't think so either. Do you, Nick, do you see any way that she could that Glenn could win somehow. <laughs> it's not her time. There will be a time, yeah. hopefully very soon. But it sounds like um, Boulevard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. It just adds to her like lore, you know, like her eighth nomination. And I think like people do want to give it to her, but probably not for this film too. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever Sunset Boulevard comes out, everybody make way, leave room for Glenn. <laughs> I mean, that, just, need her to that movie just needs to be received on the level that, like, Judy was. Like, mm-hmm. if, if Hillbilly Elegy had that, you know, kind of, like, so-so, like, mixed reviews, like, I think she could have won, but it just got savaged. <laughs> and Shady Vance is not helping things either right now. No. <laughs> no. Okay, let's move on to cinematography. The nominees are Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, News of the World, Nomadland, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. So we hinted at this before, maybe with production design, but 
Mank recently won the Guild Award, so that's why we have it here in a toss-up. But do we all have Nomadland? I still have it, yes. Yeah. I also still have Nomadland. Yeah, I think they'll, like, the the ASC, they, they can be very insular. And I actually, I, I for, like, two minutes, I had, like, News of the World predicted to win there. Because, like, of Darius Wolski was, like, a veteran, you know. But I was, like, torn between that and Mank because um, like the black and white style and like you know the pincher name obviously he didn't dp it it's eric messerschmidt but i i didn't know like which upset to go for so i just like defaulted to nomadland and he lost <laughs> but i still have him for the oscars because they and like that guild doesn't really have like the best correlation with the oscars anyway yeah i think nomadland too like this is it's one most places right other than the guild and it'll be exciting for joshua james richards who hasn't won before he and chloe can have his and hers oscars <laughs> <I know. laughs> we were so surprised like when we were we found that out that they were partners we were like oh my god <laughs> they've been together for a while right? yeah yeah oscar winning couple so. i know mm, we were talking about how he's not the dp for eternals i mean i know the Marvel I, I, film, was, so. I, was, I saw that because i was like is he just doing like all of her films but it was like someone else <laughs> But I think he's working on it, too. I think he's, like, an assistant or, like, advising it somehow. So I think he's still there. But it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. Making sure making sure it at least looks like a <laughs> Chloe film. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, I just can't wait until, like, next Monday when Marvel drops the Eternals trailer with, you Ooh. know, they're just sitting on, like, Academy Award mm-hmm. winner Chloe Zhao. Yes. <laughs> like, today, they had to do, like, so true. today but (laughs) next week man it's it's gonna be eternals so moving on now to best sound so combined category this year our nominees are greyhound mank news of the world sound of metal and soul and i think we have this here also because of sound of metals kind of rough weekend that they had greyhound ended up winning the golden reel for motion picture sound editors I still have Sound of Metal, though. What about you two? Same. Yeah, so do I. I mean, like, all that loss really tells me is that if the sound categories were still split, then Sound of Metal may not win sound editing. But it's the sound mixing in the movie that was always superior. And it won it won the CAS. So. But what's mm-hmm. funny is that, like, it's basically emulating Whiplash, because Whiplash also... <laughs> lost those things and you know it won the oscar so i think it's still good for the oscar and it has sound in the title Mm -hmm. (laughs) and (laughs) i mean and it it deserves it i mean i think like that this like the sound design in that movie is superior like it that's what the whole movie is built around so Mm -hmm. i think it's still okay even without that guild win yeah it's what i recognized most when i saw it and knew immediately that it had to win for this. So it has other wins. It won the BAFTA too. So I think also with the mixed category, I think there is still going to be enough support for it to win. Yeah, definitely. I agree. And we've talked about sound being in the title too. So I feel like that is just even for voters who maybe don't know how this category works. That's an easy vote that they can I mean, can now give. they don't even have to try to learn the difference. So. <laughs> right. Next up, we'll be talking about visual effects. 
the nominees are Love and Monsters, The Midnight Sky, Mulan, The One and Only Ivan, and Tenet. So Midnight Sky won two Visual Effects Society Awards. The One and Only Ivan won one award. Tenet won zero, but it won the Critics' Choice and the BAFTA. I feel like it's had mixed love throughout the season, but that's what I have predicted. Yeah, I, I still have Tenet. Like, the, the Guild doesn't always, like, like, just, like, cinematography doesn't really translate all the time. And, you know, there's been, like, reports of screener issues of Tenet just because of, like, the whole thing with, like, Nolan. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, like, Warner Brothers didn't even put up, like, Tenet on, like, their the Academy, like, screener portal until recently. So, you know, that's also probably what happened with, like, the Guild. So they didn't have, like, access to it. But, and I think, like, you know this category doesn't really favor like what you would like the movies you think of when you think of visual effects like superhero movies and stuff and they tend to go for more what you would think of as like a traditional best picture nominee even if it's not one on paper i guess it sounds like the midnight sky but it could also be tenet (laughs) and yeah and i think because tenet got the other nomination in production design i think that helps it more than the Midnight Sky, which was like kind of a, I actually kind of enjoyed it, but it was kind of like a no one care movie. Yeah. I also have Tenet. When the Midnight Sky won Visual Effects Society, I went back and looked at last year just to check and the Lion King won. (laughs) So I was just kind of like, okay, that didn't translate. And then I started looking back at history and just seeing kind of that this wasn't a good predictor like you were mentioning. So I think we'll be good with Tenet here. Yeah, that Lion King win was those those lions in that movie, man. <laughs> it's like really. It's like this is what we're going for. Like sure. I mean, I I do think like the cool win would be Love and Monsters, and I kind of hate myself for not because I actually consider that predicting it for the nomination, <laughs> and then I didn't do it. Uh, so, but I I went with like a Welcome to Chechnya, which was robbed. Yeah. Yes, definitely. I. Also went with Welcome to Chechnya. It was sad that it got robbed. And we talked about on our episode with uh, visual effects, the monsters in Love and Monsters are really cool looking. And that was a good visual effect in the movie. Yeah, but I'm just like, who has seen it? And are they going to try <laughs> to see it? <laughs> yeah. Was it on Netflix or supposed to be on Netflix? I think I saw an ad somewhere. So I didn't know if maybe they took it down. and, But I think that would have been an easy thing to screen. I think it's not Netflix in the U.S. I think it's Netflix International. Oh, okay. Okay. Maybe all the international voters will vote for it. So next we'll get into our shorts categories. First, we have Best Animated Short. Our nominees are Burrow, Genius Loci, If Anything Happens, I Love You, Opera, and Yes People. Joyce, you can start. What do you have here in this category? I have If Anything Happens, View. And I haven't really thought much about this because I kind of feel like pretty easily. It's very emotional and celebrity to it too. I mean, I, I like most of the other nominees. Um, yes, People is a wild <laughs> nomination. <laughs> I have that in fifth. No offense to the people who worked on that. But I, I think this will probably be an easy win for If Anything Happens, I Love You. Yeah, I have this too. I think... Isn't Laura Dern a producer on it? Yeah. 
So just like having people like that there, it's on Netflix, so it's easy to watch and it's very topical. I wish opera had a chance because I absolutely love that short. Have you seen opera, Joyce? Yeah, I, I like like most of these in here, but I, I think like the others are not going to win. Yeah. So this is like one of the better short films nominations of, of the three this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. So continuing our shorts conversation, we'll talk about the live action ones. The nominees are Feeling Through, The Letter Room, The Present, Two Distant Strangers, and White Eye. This one I'm less confident about, but I still have Two Distant Strangers. Another Netflix win. (laughs) I mean, Netflix can sweep this. Yeah. I have Two Distant Strangers also. So do I. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it just, it reminds me of skin. And again, it's also topical and timely, very timely right now. Feeling Through is actually my favorite. I think I have that in second. And I don't, like a lot of people are predicting the letter room, but I don't really see that happening. Maybe I'll live to regret saying that, but I think they're doing that just because of Oscar Isaac. I think so too. The star power argument, like I see that. I also don't really believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And Two Distant Strangers also really reminded me of Skin when I was watching it. I was like, ooh, I don't feel right about this, but I think that it's probably going to win. Yeah. Last year's The Neighbor's Window had well-known actors in it too, but I felt pretty connected to that storyline way more than I did to The Letter Room. Mm -hmm. So I was worried that, you know, a lot of people had this in their predictions as winning earlier on in the season or when nominations were announced. But yeah, Two Distant Strangers, more topical. I think more love, easier to watch. Okay, I, I feel don't know about easier to watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think this is probably the most like split of the shorts. I don't know. I don't want to think about it too much because I, I, I tend to do better when I don't think about it and I just like pick one. I know. It's like, I feel like I just have to turn the test in and just like walk away, not use all my time. Just stop. <laughs> So our last shorts category, we have Best Documentary Short. The nominees are Colette, A Concerto is a Conversation, Do Not Split, Hunger Ward, and A Love Song for Latasha. Joyce, what do you have in this category? I have a love song for Latasha, but again, not confident about this. I could see... A concerto is a conversation again with like the star power behind like Ava DuVernay and stomping for it and also it's like the apple in the bag of oranges <laughs> you know it's the most uplifting of these most of these are pretty depressing or just kind of bittersweet but yeah I still have love song for now what do you have I also still have love song for Latasha I'm doing the Netflix sweep here When I watched this, this was the one that jumped out to me as the winner. So I'm just kind of sticking with my instinct there, just based on the feeling that I had watching it. But a concerto as a conversation would be my second one as well. Nick, are you in the exact same place? We're still (laughs) all predicting the same nominations. (laughs) There's way too much consensus here. There is. I know. I'm like actually getting nervous now. (laughs) My favorite of the bunch is Colette, hands down. I bawled my eyes out to this. And then also up there, I have Do Not Split. Again, I don't think these are as likely to win. I think with a a concerto, we have Chris Bowers, who composed Green Book 
and a few a few other Oscar and Emmy nominated movie scores. So I think that's maybe also a big push for voters if they recognize his name apart from Ava's. And I think the short's easy to watch filmmaking, but it didn't strike me as deeply as some of the others did. Yeah, that that's kind of why I picked Love Song because I felt like Concerto, even though it is the most different, like it is light whereas like love song it, there's tragedy involved like it, it feels so reductive to say that but yeah. like it's true but like colette i think would have won maybe i don't know like 10 years ago or something just like <laughs> how we like everyone always jokes about like you know if it's about like the holocaust <laughs> <laughs> it'll win okay our last toss-up category we have best actor our nominees are riz ahmed Chadwick Boseman, Anthony Hopkins, Gary Oldman, and Steven Yeun. A toss-up, maybe only because of Anthony Hopkins' win at BAFTA, but Joyce, do you still have Chadwick Boseman or not? I still have Chadwick Boseman, but I don't I don't know if I'll switch off of him to Anthony Hopkins, but I think it would be wrong to be so dismissive of Anthony Hopkins' win at BAFTA, which I think a lot of people are being just writing it off as, like, a BAFTA-only thing because, like, Brits and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, like, if Chadwick does win, we'll never be able, unless they release the vote totals, we'll never be able to say, like, it's closer than it was because, obviously, Chadwick won. So then you would just be like, he was always going to win. But, you know, like, Anthony Hopkins, like, that performance... Like, it's really hitting people. And, you know, a couple weeks ago when the father hit, like, VOD, and that was when people were watching it and started, like, tweeting about it and how much they loved his performance and how he could win. And then at the time, I was just kind of like, this could just be, like, a film Twitter thing. And, you know, maybe we're, like, we're getting bored, too. But, you know, he won the BAFTA. And the father also won adapted screenplay. And I, I do think, you know, it's giving off vibes of like Glenn Close and Olivia Coleman two years ago, where maybe people do think like Chadwick, like Glenn was like going to win and it's secure. And like, they actually vote for their favorite performance, which is Anthony Hopkins. I still have Chadwick too, but Anthony's very close behind. I think the BAFTA win... At first, I kind of thought, okay, Anthony Hopkins is more of a British icon. Chadwick is more of an icon here in the States. So that's kind of where I am now with how they're lining up in my predictions. But yeah, it wouldn't be wise to write it off, like you said. So I might end up switching because I think the father is peaking at the right time. And yes, Anthony Hopkins has won before, but it was a long time ago that he did win and He's been a staple in the industry, and this is a performance that like everyone who watches it is saying, this is astonishing. So I think it can happen, but I'm sticking with Chadwick for now. Nick, what about you? I'm choosing Chadwick, but Anthony's was the most moving to me out of the bunch. I think it's his best ever, and I wish we could award Anthony, Delroy, and Chadwick all at the same time. <laughs> um I'm happy Anthony won somewhere and on his own turf makes sense. But I think it's been Chadwick's to lose all season. And his wife has had some really moving speeches as well that I think is helping him along. And I don't think there's any one reason that he's winning. But as a last performance, I think this is super, super worthy to reward Chadwick. Yeah, I think like 
him winning is a combination of factors like the performance and like you know wanting to honor him and everything too and but I think people also forget that you know for like 10 months Anthony Hopkins was the favorite because the father premiered at Sundance in January 2020 Mm -hmm. Um, even though it didn't hit theaters until over a year later like anyone with those kind of raves would be a lock in this category and then you know, like the reviews for Ma Rainey dropped in November. And then that's when like Chadwick's narrative took off. So, um, and I think, you know, if like things were different, you know, if he were still with us, I think this race would be a lot more competitive. Like this is a great lineup, even, you know, like everyone loves to hate on Gary Oldman, but I liked him in Mank. And like, I thought that was an interesting performance. Um, Would I have nominated him? Probably not, but I don't begrudge his nomination. And yeah, like this is such a strong lineup that it would have been nice if, you know, everyone could have like won something along the way, kind of like in Best Actress. I agree. And that's why I was happy when Anthony won the BAFTA, because I was like, okay, he's getting recognized somewhere for this. And now maybe he'll get the Oscar too. I just, if that ends up happening, I am not really sure (laughs) how that will go. I think if that happens, I think we really just have to pay attention to people being like, I think blah, blah, blah is going to win. But this person or like this film was my favorite. Because that was also kind of what people were saying with like Moonlight too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like La La Land also had like backlash at, by that point. But a lot of people were just like totally moved by Moonlight. All right. Are we ready to move on to our true anybody's guest categories? <laughs> First, we have adapted screenplay. Here we have Borat's subsequent movie film, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. What do you both have? So I actually just switched like two hours ago (laughs) from (laughs) Nomadland to The Father, and I already regret it. So I don't know. I'll probably switch it back before Sunday. (laughs) I also have The Father here. What do you have, Sophia? I have Nomadland, but I had The Father yesterday, so I think... <laughs> back and forth. Back and forth, yeah. What made you switch to The Father? I I mean, like, I do want it to win something, and I don't like to predict that way, that, like, something I want to win, win something. But, like, I can't deny the fact that it's peaking at the right time. And, I mean, I thought it was going to win the BAFTA anyway, even before, you know, people started watching it on VOD. But it's also more writerly than No My Land. Like, I think No My Land is a great adaptation of a nonfiction book. And, you know, she did, you know, creative things with it. But the script is not really the thing you talk about when you talk about mm-hmm. No My Land. And, yeah, I guess this could be the place to reward the father, as it were. But I don't think voters actually think like that. It's like, oh, I better, like, toss a vote to the father somewhere but then I'm like thinking like if I don't give screenplay to Nomadland like is Nomadland gonna win like best picture with just director and cinematography which I guess is possible but you know I I could also just see it just sweeping screenplay along with it just like Birdman did just because it was unstoppable in best picture and the script of Birdman is not something people talk about either you know that's the top thing and it beat Grand Budapest Hotel which is a writerly script Yeah, so I'm, like, going back and forth on this. Yeah. That last point you made, that's what kind of brought me back to Nomadland, was just thinking about how voters might just carry it along with it. Yeah, I think I started thinking just about the 
path to best picture and what those Oscars are that you get kind of along the way to best picture and director and screenplay felt like the path for Nomadland for me. I think if Nomadland and The Father were eligible at the WGA, we'd probably be having a different conversation. (laughs) And I wonder if the idea is going along with this best picture front runner, I guess opposite than that, if the voters have read the nonfiction book, Nomadland, and are like, oh, this is amazing that she kind of went in a totally different direction. And that's why we're going to reward it. Or if it's, again, just for Chloe and the work that they made together. I don't think most people have read any of these books and plays. (laughs) These scripts are adapted from. I'm sure Nomadland was on the New York Times bestsellers list or something. I mean, it's a pretty well-known yeah, but I like, Look, but like but I, if they haven't already read it, like now, I don't right. know. If yeah, they would you're not going to go. Yeah. yeah. To me, The Father is the one that doesn't feel like a straight play adaptation. And we also have One Night in Miami, but I think The Father does it really, really well. So that's kind of why I have it here. I don't think the BAFTA is playing a big role in my decision, but yeah, this one's tough. <laughs> Back and forth. Yeah, remember when like Miami was like the favorite, like super early on, and now it's, yeah. it might not win anything. Yeah, back when we did our nomination predictions, I remember telling you, Nick, I was like, I think it might miss Best Picture, and I felt kind of crazy saying that. But then, <laughs> it I mean, happened. I I moved it to tenth like a week before. Like I still predicted ten because I just kind of like to predict ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, I could see this missing because I it was just kind of. You know, it, it it's, it's not the type of movie where it was going to hit a lot of gills and, you know, that, you know, bore out, but it was, it had like such a low nomination ceiling. I was like, I could just see people, even if they like the movie, just ranking it low and it's not going to get enough number ones. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. But like Ma Rainey, not even here. So, oh my God. Ma Rainey has such an interesting path slash yeah. possible combination of Oscars. Maybe we can talk more about that when we get to the. <laughs> dreaded exciting yeah. best actress category you just alluded to this joyce and our next category is original song we have husavik fight for you eoc scene speak now and hear my voice so from what you just said do you not think speak now will win um, I don't have it winning. I, I think it can win. But, you know, again, going back to the last category, I don't like to predict stuff I like. And my favorite in this category is Husevik, but I do believe it can win. So, yeah, I've been in a tank for it, like, since nominations. So I'm just going <laughs> to stick with this one. And I, I do, like, legitimately think it can win. And I wrote something last week about why it can win. It's the only non-end credit song. It's actually used in a movie, performed in a movie, not just played over like a scene or something. Um, and it's meaningful to the narrative. And it's it's the most different. Three of these songs are thematically similar. Like their titles sound interchangeable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, like they've, they've, they've gone with like good picks before. And I think they can do it again, um, especially if, we're talking about like apathy here. So yeah, I don't think most of them have seen Eurovision, but if they like care enough to like look up these songs, just Google them. And the only one 
like whose video is like a scene from the movie is Husevich because like Netflix just put up the whole performance scene and the others just have like regular music videos because they're just end credit songs. So I think like if anyone does watch that and not just like listen to the songs, like they might be compelled to be like, oh, the song is actually used in the movie. And also its campaign has been incredible. They're including the real town of Husevich and like the citizens. And like today they released a video of like little kids learning. <laughs> The song is going to be performed actually in Husevich. And, you know, like, like Netflix is going all out for it. And they're not really backing the life ahead that much. Poor Diane Warren. But, you know, she's taking matters into her own hands. <laughs> she is. Profile for the Oscar, so I guess I suppose like she can also benefit if there's like any type of vote split between the other three songs. And it would be like such a thing for her to finally win in a pandemic year. But I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's probably not her time again. <laughs> I feel the same way about Diane Warren. And I would love for Husevic to win. I'm not taking the swing here. I'm sticking with Speak Now. And we'll be fine being wrong if it's Husevic that wins. I think that's the one song that doesn't sound like a CVS song or a grocery store song that you would just like hear <laughs> while you're there. I think I'm just going with... Leslie Odom Jr. here just because he's so well known and they do like their stars and he's been presenting at guilds and things like that so he's been around he's yeah for it yeah like it's that's definitely the safe choice but I also think it was it's kind of like just like what tends to happen is like in the beginning we just kind of make these predictions like not having seen or heard anything and that was just always number one because we just knew like Leslie Odom Jr. was gonna have the song in this movie that was probably gonna be Amazon's like top contender and it was our top contender didn't get a best picture nomination but I think it's just like a self-fulfilling prophecy that we were predicting it so then like other people are jumping on board because they also haven't seen or heard anything and now it's just like so far ahead but it's not even sweeping like it lost the globe to Diane, so Husevic is definitely the one that I've listened to most. Even put Yaya Ding Dong in there as well. I think Yaya Ding this Dong movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just incredible songwriting, and the movie is fun. Even if people haven't seen it, I think it's an easy watch. Another Netflix win probably will need to be watched after this Oscar season just to like de-stress, <laughs> sing along. <laughs> but do you think like if voters? are you know there's also been reports that like they find like a lot of you know this year's movies like depressing or like too serious and if they're looking for like escapism like your vision is perfect escapism yeah is this our song my octopus teacher (laughs) i mean i like this a lot more than my octopus teacher (laughs) i don't know i'm just i'm going down with the ship i this is one category even though it's like not set in stone i'm not gonna change before sunday (laughs) If I get it wrong, I get it. I get it wrong. Yeah. I might be inspired to change mine, honestly. It just feels more fun. <laughs> yeah, like they should just go for the fun choice. Come on, guys. They can be no, so no. lazy in this category. Really? <laughs> I mean, I wonder if they'll want to, you know, push Leslie Odom Jr. on to winning an EGOT. I wonder if maybe that's... Before Lin-Manuel Miranda. Maybe. I don't know. It is kind of crazy how this is the fourth year in a row with someone nominated for write- songwriting and acting. But only one of them has won this and it was Gaga, so. Oh, that was a great win. <laughs> <laughs> a song that was used in the movie. <laughs> exactly. I feel like somehow A Star is Born comes up on every episode that we do. 
I was just telling someone I hadn't seen A Star is Born since I first saw it two and a half years ago. And then like TNT played it right before the SAG Awards. And I was like, oh, right. They cut in a scene of like Bradley Cooper singing with her at the end. (laughs) All right. We only have a few more categories to go. So next we have film editing. Our nominees are The Father, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. What do you both have? I still have Sound of Metal. I have The Trial of the Chicago 7. I have Sound of Metal still. I'm trying not to be swayed by the guild. I think here we have the chance to award every single Best Picture nominee and If it's going to win anywhere, I think it could be here. It won the Ace Eddie Award. And I think this kind of reminds me of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody's win. I think, you know, it's a big crowd. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big crowd pleaser. It has heart somewhere inside of it. And I mean, it just won to the Ace. So it also won the Critics' Choice. With Sound of Metal. Oh, it tied. They love their ties. They have their bases covered for this one. So Joyce, were you not swayed by it losing? No, I like I understand and why people are changing and predicting it. I the thing is is like I don't think any of these nominees fit the usual like flashy editing winner. Like yes, trial has the most editing, but I don't think it's intense in the way that it is in like Ford versus Ferrari um, or even Bohemian Rhapsody like that had the most but I think I think it, it it really won for the live aid sequence at the end which is just I mean everyone loves Queen anyway but it's just like that whole sequence and you just kind of get like immersed in the concert and I I don't know if trial has like a standout memorable scene like that and I guess you could probably point to the protest scenes which has the most like shaky cam type of stuff going on I I do think it's very well edited but again I think it's it's more like the whole thing is good and I don't I I feel like they kind of look for something singular that stands out or if it's like I don't know (laughs) I, I like also like it's it's not like very techie either and the techie nominee in this lineup is actually sound of metal because it's probably winning sound you know so i and it's not like you know people they make the whiplash comparison and it's not like whiplash at all like it's it's not intense either and it's subtle editing but the way like they edit in like the sound design i think people might just kind of vote with them like together you know like it's just like linked for them if you're voting for it in sound they might just vote for it in editing as well so that's why i still have it i don't i don't know if i'll change it so yeah i think i still have it because it really was one that i didn't expect to win editing in most places throughout the season and just seeing it pick up wins like pretty consistently in weird places like the critics choice tie and then BAFTA like BAFTA has that good I think indicator for Oscars maybe here so I feel like I just need to leave it but I might change I don't think so though I think I feel good about the sound editing combo that Sound of Metal will have yeah and I guess you know, yeah, like if, if you're predicting promising moment for screenplay and you think trial needs to win something, this is like the next possible category. But I don't know if, again, voters vote that way. Like I have to 
give each best picture nominee yeah yeah are we ready for the big one no never (laughs) best actress here we go our nominees are viola davis andrew day vanessa kirby francis mcdormand and carrie mulligan what do we what do we all have for this category i i still have andra and i'm not gonna do anything until saturday at least because <laughs> i get i can't think about this until then it's really consumed all of my time and i'm honest i'm a little nervous because i also have andra on our acting episode that was my prediction and i'm like i need to just stick with this at least for now because i mean it does not feel right but to me at the same time it does have i think some key things there that i usually need to see in a best actress winner so i have her too nick who do you have still i have andra as well oh my god this is a we're shocking gonna, tie we're gonna freak people out we did not commiserate before this no so that means she's definitely not winning if we all right yeah i'm like maybe maybe she's cursed now why do you have her i have her because One, I think this is a year where you can, I think, throw stats out the window. And in most cases, I am. But if we are looking at stats, like that Golden Globe win was really big. And I think her getting in to this category means that people were watching the movie. Or even if they weren't watching the movie, I think she's the one of the group who's playing the legend. Like, even if you haven't seen the movie... Some voters might see Billie Holiday written down like on their ballot and just I'm voting for her. And I think even though the movie itself has gotten really terrible reviews, people are walking away from it when they watch it and saying Andra Day was transformative and she gave this amazing performance. So I think that's why I'm going with her for now. What about you guys? I don't think her Golden Globe win has helped her this entire conversation because some of the other actresses have won since then. But yeah, at this yeah. point, it feels like last year. But I think, I mean, we can look at Renee Zellweger's win again and see that it has some of those similar aspects to it. I mean, in my mind, I'm switching and saying, well, what about Viola? I feel like she has momentum. She won the SAG. And, you know, it would be easy to vote for the first Black woman to have two Oscars. I think it's extraordinary. She's always done amazing work. It's not like her, let alone nobody in this category deserves it. And then I think about Carrie and I'm like, well, you know, she's won too. And she hasn't won the Oscar yet, but, you know, we entertained the idea of a tie on our last podcast too. So, so I- did I and um, Chris Rosen. <laughs> and he actually, this morning, he told me like, he thinks it's going to happen. And I'm like, you're on crack. <laughs> been thinking about this like way too long. Now yeah. he thinks it's gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you have Andra? I switched to her after. Well, I I had her in second behind Carrie, and then after Sags, I just switched them. And I just felt like she just has the baitiest performance. And since I don't want to think about this um, until Saturday, I'm just defaulting to the baitiest performance for the time being. And yeah, like this, whoever wins is gonna break a lot of stats. And there's so many pros and so many cons for all of them that like it, it makes sense and it doesn't make sense. So I think, yeah, like like you said, like even if they haven't seen the movie, which got terrible reviews, like they might just see like Billie Holiday. And 
I think like most people who've seen the movie do really like her in it. Like, like Oliver Stone is tweeting about her. Like he probably voted for her, you know? So yeah, it's like, it's, and yeah, she's the sole nomination for her film, which is not great, but I don't like all, everyone else. It's just, there's just something off about all of them. And I think she's the biggest wild card where we truly do not know what her position is. She could be way out in front and winning this in a landslide for all we know, or she could be like dead last. And I think right now I'm just going to roll the dice on the wild card than on like Carrie, who we keep predicting to win things and she's not winning them except for Critics' Choice which was always going to be her just because of the makeup of that group and like the people who responded the best to her performance in that movie. But she's also one of two people with a Best Picture nomination. And not only that, but like director, writing and editing. And I think it is also safe to like, in a way, default to the person who has the strongest film, which you could say is her or Francis, but Francis already won twice. So I don't know. And Viola, yeah, like she won the SAG, but they also love her at SAG. So you could use that against her, or like, you know, throw it out. And and then it's like, if you're predicting her, like we alluded to before, you're predicting her and Chatwick, Emma Rainey for makeup and hairstyling and costume design, <laughs> then it's winning four of its five nominations or awards. And it doesn't have a Best Picture nomination. And the last film that won that many awards without Best Picture nomination was The Matrix. And no one, no movie has won both lead categories ever without a Best Picture nomination. So, like, stats are going to fall somehow, mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter who wins. And we haven't even talked about Vanessa Kirby. Poor Vanessa. I know. No. Poor Vanessa. That was I, her. I would love for her to just pull a Marsha Gay Harden because that would just be. <laughs> I do think she was good in the movie, but I I don't think that's likely probably. <laughs> so I think if you look at Andra and Vanessa as being the like newcomer, like or lone nominees for their films here, Andra has the advantage because she's playing the real person and she has that Golden Globe win. I'm kind of wondering if in the case where everything is so just wide open and there is no consensus, if that is where Francis comes in as the one who is so well respected and I know Viola is too but I think being the lead in the best picture front runner like maybe she could somehow come through yeah well again like if we think the vote is going to be as split as it could be like it like won't take a huge margin to win so yeah if she could she could double her Oscar haul in one night <laughs> oh my god she could yeah, I, I don't know. Like, there's, I think Carrie is still number one on, like, our site in Gold Derby, but I don't really expect anyone to dethrone her just because she's just, like, the internet favorite, so. And I think a lot of people are, are like, hope-dicting her and just want her to win, and I think she can win. I think a lot of people wrote her off after the SAG, and, and then you could use, like, the reasoning that if the BAFTA jury hadn't screwed her she probably would have been nominated and won BAFTA but I don't know like it's just like all the hypotheticals are just so hard because it's like Andra could have been nominated at SAG and she would have won that so but it didn't happen so like they right yeah. off of it that's why Sunday needs to just happen and be over and then we <laughs> can talk about maybe why but <laughs> until then we're just going to be the category for last so. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. But the, the thing is, it's like, no matter who wins, like it'll, in hindsight, I'll be like, oh yeah, of course. Like mm -hmm. you should have seen it, even though we can't right now, really. Yeah. Okay. So our last category is best picture. We had eight nominees this year. The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. What do you both have? I still have Nomadland. I also have Nomadland. I have Nomadland too. And this one, I really will not let myself change. Yeah, like, I think the problem is for anyone who wants like an upset or a different winner is like this support hasn't really coalesced around any one alternative contender. Like it, it seems like it could be promising young woman, but then it loses like these, like what should have been like easy guild wins, you know, like the ACE comedy um, and like ADG to the five bloods and like Carrie hasn't been performing uh, or winning stuff. And then you have like trial, like winning SAG ensemble and then like ACE drama. <laughs> so it's like it's like seesaw in between like who's like second and third and then you have like you know other movies like minari too that you know hasn't won anything major but it could just be like a movie that people love and just getting a lot of number twos you know so mm -hmm. i feel like no man land just doesn't have a strong rival that could really take it down right now like i feel like it should have lost pga if there was someone who could do it yeah i wish minari had a chance here i think it's Maybe the movie I'm going to think of when I think of 2020 and just like how heartwarming it was, how much it focuses on the American family and a lot of the themes throughout and all the performances, just a lot of elements that I love. But Nomadland has been pretty much steamrolling this entire season and I'm not mad about it either. I think it is deserving as well and a win for Francis, which is kind of an odd thing you know you don't see her as a producer on it but she is and that's also amazing so if she doesn't win actress she will likely still win here how many people do you think know that she's a producer on this i would win an oscar it's a very low <laughs> yeah i mean i think that's always a question <laughs> like with some of these it's like how many people actually know these things especially because like she's been a no-show everywhere so she, it's not like she's like giving right. speeches best picture anywhere yeah i was thinking that too i'm like oh she'll she'll go here i think she'll go to the oscars to support chloe yeah. did but she have a speech at pga i it was just chloe wasn't it i think so again at this point i can't remember yeah <laughs> i know it's all blending together been the one accepting okay it... yeah i think though like nomadland it's just it's been sweeping and yeah i just don't see a clear challenger here and i guess it would be like just based on wins chicago seven but that just has sag ensemble which isn't enough for me to think that that's going to happen yeah like chicago just feels like something that probably would have won like like 20 years ago <laughs> like or even mm -hmm. like 20 years ago you know um, yeah and like i i enjoyed it fine and i think like you know people like to dunk on it on the internet but i think i have it in like fourth now I still I have Minaria too just because I, I kind of wanted to win <laughs> but I'm also like it doesn't matter what's in second maybe it does I don't know like like Nomadland is like it it's the Moonlight and the La La Land in the situation like it's it's the David and the Goliath because it's usually the type of movie that would take down like, the bigger contender like it would take down a movie like Chicago 7 mm -hmm. it's in it's been in the front runner position so but i don't know like do you think maybe to play like devil's advocate like people 
think it will win so they don't rank it high. <laughs> I don't I, I think I feel like most people don't know how to perform how it works and like what their ranking does to movies. Yeah. I've always wondered that too. Like do people actually vote strategically or do they just straight up rank the movies and not really think about how that happens? I feel like the hard thing with Nomadland is, you know, you could say like maybe there isn't as much passion for it as something like Promising Young Woman or even Minari, but Minari in particular, one thing that I think it has going for it is that like I don't know a person who, you know, stops watching Minari and says like that was a bad movie. Everyone loves it. Promising Young Woman has the polarizing spot, I think, but its fans are very vocal, which I think can help it. But yeah, it still feels like even if Nomadland doesn't kind of doesn't have that love behind it, it's still winning everything. Yeah. Yeah, and like again, like I feel like if you would ask people what's number two behind them, and then like like people will have a different answer. Like it, there's no consensus like number two. So it would just be funny, just because like the BAFTA streak of getting this wrong <laughs> will be over. So yeah, it's it's one on both like like a plurality vote and PGA, which is like the one it should have lost. You know, if they weren't really feeling it. So do we or- only have like? Maybe three different, maybe three or four categories. Not even best actress. <laughs> it was shockingly similar. <laughs> Are we like the, the idiots here, like picking Andrew Day? <sighs> I don't know. Maybe. I've seen a lot of people switching to the to her too, so... But then I've seen a lot of people who have her in like fourth, who are just like, no, she can't win. This is, you know, between Viola and Carrie. And I'm just like, okay, well, I have Andra. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Like, Viola, like, I don't think, like, the screen time thing is an issue at all. Like, people want to bring that up. I'm like, yeah, like, everyone else has, like, an hour and 20 minutes of screen time. But I don't think that hurts her in any way. Because it's not like she's, like, a newbie or anything. Like, she's widely respected. And even though when she's not on screen, you like they're still like talking about her in the movie and the movie is only 90 minutes long so it's not like the movie is like three hours long and she's only in 20 minutes of it yeah I just it's I don't know if like Ma Rainey can win four Oscars but I can also see it happening <laughs> so, yeah like is that the stat that's gonna break I don't know something will I just I can't decide what it is and I think for some of our categories I was like okay this is good I feel better we're aligned with shorts like those were I think some of the categories where I wasn't as sure and then all being aligned on best actress is something (laughs) it's just so fun because like all like the anonymous ballots have been released is like like everyone has like a different person and like we have the same person (laughs) what is happening do you read the like anonymous ballots and what do you do you like factor those into how you think about things or do you just kind of like read them for fun and write them off in your own predicting I I mostly read them for fun like I've never changed anything solely because of them because again you see just like what like 15 of them and there's like 9,000 members so And, like, we also have a couple, like, publishing this week after voting closes at Gold Derby. So I think it's fun, especially, like, I care less about who they pick and more about, like, their reasoning. And some of them are mm-hmm. completely insane. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's also, I I guess not fun, but it's just, like, wild to see, like, how privileged a lot of them are. Like, you know, some of them already that have been published or they're, you know, complaining about like the lack of like the schmoozing because of COVID and mm-hmm. uh, 
that like they can't work like the academy portal and like all this stuff so and they stairs or whatnot it's like they just want everything like handed to easy for them and it's fun to see like who takes it seriously like you know i i do respect the people who are like i haven't seen all these movies so i'm not gonna vote in this category or i don't know what this means like when you know it was like the two sound category so i'm gonna abstain from voting but then yeah like some other people just kind of have like the pettiest reason to vote or not vote for someone so like we take it way more seriously than dating i know (laughs) so much more (laughs) Like, do you guys do? Have you guys changed anything because of those ballots? I have a kind of funny example. So, I love Bradley Cooper. We're back on the Star is Born thing. And I just remember I like went into a full, like, hope dicting Bradley Cooper thing before the Oscars. I was like, he can do it. He had the best performance in the category. And then I read it was like the collection of ballots from that year. And every single voter picked Rami Malik. And I was, it was my wake up call. I was just like, I can't do it. I have to go with what's actually going to happen and not what I want. (laughs) Nick, what about you? No, they're just totally for fun. I think I get more angry about their reasoning. And (laughs) like you said, so I'm, I kind of give up and stop reading at that point, but I wonder like how they're compiled and if they, in publishing, like choose ones where they're just kind of across the board. So it's like. You have no idea what is going to happen or these people's views are just so different and vast. So, yeah, it's all just like clickbait fun, basically. <laughs> yeah, I I just I mean, the one where I wish I could have changed something was like the Glenn and Olivia one where it was just like a lot of people saying like, I thought like Olivia was great. She was my favorite, but like it's Glenn's time. Like she's going to win. So, but yeah, I didn't change it. So. Well, we don't want to take up, I think too much of your time. Thank you so much for being on here with us. I think just to wrap up, we have one question we always end with that we ask all of our guests and it's what's one thing that you're wild for right now it's just like a play on our title and it can be like a movie a tv show a book anything like that oh god um i'm not even like doing anything (laughs) right now um what am i wild for right now well i guess i will just pimp the muddy ducks game changers (laughs) We've mentioned that earlier on Disney Plus, the show, which I will admit I was like wary about because I'm not one of those people who needs like reboots and revivals. Like when things end, I'm totally fine with it ending and everything has to end at some time. But I actually do like the show and I've seen like some screeners for like future episodes and you know, like, I don't know if it's like the nostalgia, um, but it's like taking me back. And I think like, if you were ever a Mighty Ducks fan, you should watch them. And I think it's, it is actually like a pretty good show, like the writing and like the pacing (laughs) better than like some like more prestigious shows out there. So I guess that's what I'm wild on. And then also on a side note, I will pimp a Mighty Ducks podcast that full disclosure, I have been on multiple times. called the quack attack and steve brill the creator of the mighty ducks like he's been on the podcast too and the character nick on the show is based on the podcast because he hosts the podcast on the show Hmm. very cool that's cool i think the mighty ducks film when did the first one come out out october 2nd 1992 (laughs) 
the second one came out March 25th, 1994, and the third one came out October 4th, 1996. I love that you know that. That's great. I have watched those movies more times than any other movie in my life. Not so much D3, which, like, the consensus, like, most people, that's their least favorite. But, like, I wore out my D2 VHS, because that's the best one, as everyone knows. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nick, I completely interrupted you when you were asking <laughs> No, it's totally fine. I'm pretty sure I have the VHS at least for the first one, but I was maybe too young to like really love them. I think it was more like Disney all the time. Are they Disney too? Yeah. Okay. I guess Disney Plus. Duh. I'll have to go back and watch them all now. We maybe we should do a trilogy coverage here on the pod. Oh my god! (laughs) Like, was the Mighty Ducks trilogy robbed of Oscars? No, yeah, like I just, I kind of miss the 90s kids sports movies in general, like The Sandlot, which wasn't mm. Disney, but like Angels in the Outfield, Big Green. We need to bring those back, I think. Yeah, I loved those. Okay, well, thank you so much, Joyce, for being here today. We really appreciate all of your predictions, all of your insight, and we can't wait to see what happens and which I one of us. I won't change anything except for Pacific, <laughs> so. I'll probably change actress. I don't know to what. <laughs> I'll be keeping an eye on all of my uh, notifications through the Gold Derby app and see if <laughs> your name pops up anymore. <laughs> well, well, you should just know actress won't be until Saturday because that was like what I told myself. So. <laughs> Not touching that one because I can't lose sleep over this. That's fair. And yeah, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. This was so much fun and such a good wrap up for us on the season anytime i hope I, uh, we didn't lead too many people astray or they don't copy too many of our predictions <laughs> i know people are going to be shocked i think by the andrew day especially all three of us so yeah. something's not right there so <laughs> no <laughs> but if we all get it right then we're geniuses and then we can that flaunt that so before sunday <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that too <laughs> Thank you again to Joyce Ang for being our guest today and sharing her predictions with us. And thank you all of you for listening this whole entire season. The next time we see you, it will be after the Oscars. We will have all of the answers at that point and can mock our own predictions and go through what we liked about the ceremony and everything like that. I think it'll be a nice way to recap the entire season, this like three-year saga that we've been going through. Mm -hmm. So... We'll finally get to hang up our prognosticating and Oscars caps for just a little while. We already have some cans news coming out, and we will get to that, I think, very soon, which is exciting. But at least for now, I'm excited for the telecast on Sunday. Thank you all for listening. We will see you next time. Stay safe and wear your masks. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.